Uh, this afternoon we're on the way, the path, the the way, the path, highway. Uh, in chapter forty nine, I was saying that what we did, we started talking about uh, salvation. Chapter forty nine speaks of salvation. Verse eight: Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and a day and in, in, in a day of salvation have I helped thee. I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth to cause to inherit the desolate places. That thou mayest say, verse 9, that thou mayest say to the prisoners, Go forth to them that are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall find feed in the ways, and pastures shall be in all high places. Verse 11, and I will make all my mountains a way, and my highways shall be exalted. Keep emphasizing that word way. That word way. What is a way? Or what is the way? And I'm just telling you, that's talking about salvation. We're talking about salvation here. Uh, a way is a course travel from one place to another. You know, how you get to different play, how would you get somewhere? It is also a manner of doing, you know, a way in which you do something, a method of accomplishment, a course of life. There's different courses in life that we all try to follow a way, but there's a way that a, that is a seeming right to a man, and the end thereof is definite destruction. Proverb goes on to say a man's ways are right in his own eyes. Way, uh, it's a proper way to do something that's a right way. The scripture says, study to show thyself for proof, rightly dividing the word of truth. So there's a right way to divide the word of God, and there's a wrong way to divide the word of God. Paul talks about the writings of the apostle Paul that some that studied or followed after Paul, it seems to be hard to be understood. They wrestle with those scriptures as they do to the rest of the, the scriptures to their own hurt or destruction. Because if you read that book of Romans, that's a pretty tough chastise to get through. But that doctrine that's in there, it's pretty hard. It's some pretty strong meat in there. The strong meat of the word and a lot of people grab hold to the meat of the word and hadn't tried to accomplish taking the milk of the word. Paul said he fed the people with milk instead of strong meat because they weren't able to uh, receive it yet. Some of us aren't ready to achieve that. Uh, Some of the definitions taken taken from the common English Dictionary. I use Merrigan Webster. It used to be Webster's, now it's Merrigan Webster's. And then there's the Bible Dictionary. With So there's a secular definition. There are spiritual definitions to this word, way, the way. And that's what we want to look at, some of those for that. Uh, synonyms for that word, way, can include a custom, a practice, a behavior, Direction, method, manner, procedure, a passage, or a route, depending on what context you're using it. 
the route of the way that Lewis and Clark expedition travel going up where it was the Mississippi that they explored or whatever. Daniel Boom was a pioneer, a trout that went a scout that went out and scouted the way. There's different scouts that go ahead. Jesus Christ came and he scouted the way. He was a trailblazer. And that's why he stood up and said, I am the way. I'm the truth and the life. And no man coming unto the Father but by me. So that statement means there's only one way. You know, you hear a lot of people say, there's many different ways to God. Well, run. Run. When you hear him say that, Jesus say, I am the way. In other words, the way to salvation. There's a broad way. Now, see, with religion and Christianity, there's a broad way. And there's a narrow way, but that broad way leads to destruction. Many go in it that way. Uh, the word way can be substituted for any one of the words and the different many contexts that you're using in. Uh, a way leads from beginning. A, le- a way usually leads from beginning at one place and ends at another place. This means that there's a specific direction in which the way leads a person. You got a GPS on your car, truck, or whatever, and Siri, or Alexa, or whatever that you program something in the GPA, GPS. And if you're headed somewhere, you can set a destination in there. What well, it's programmed in there, they go say, do you want to take the scenic route or do you want to take the rural route or the highways and tollways? According to which one you choose, they'll get you to the same destination, but they'll take you in different ways. A lot of times you see that GPS, if you go, you say, I want to turn down this street and go this way or whatever. That thing say rerouting, rerouting, and it'll get you back on it. Says get back to the route and everything because you didn't went off of the path. We have to see the Holy Spirit. That's what keeps us on the path. God's word is our position in GPS. The Spirit is walking behind. The Spirit is within us. That's that inside computer that says this is the way. Walk that way. Go that. That's what we need within us. That's why Jesus Christ was sent and he made that way and his spirit came in to dwell within us. Uh, your ways is another aspect of this. You hear in the Bible where God says, your ways are not like my ways. Your thoughts are not like my thoughts. Uh, we're talking about a code of life, a lifestyle. And see, we have to pursue the way of holiness. Holiness is a way of life. That's why I told you Christianity was called the way. And I used showed you some scriptures about the word people of the way. Uh, the problem with mankind's way is its destruction. I mean, it's, it's, its direction. And its, its direction leads nowhere. It's a self-centered way. It's a way of get a way of the world. So we're talking about the means, the path, the direction, a manner of speaking, of worshiping. All of these is included in man's way, man's way of worshiping God, man's manner of speaking, the words we say. All of these things encompass 
parts of the way. That's what I was telling you. The way accomplishes encompasses a whole lot of different, what can I say, parts, uh, uh, moving parts. The way is means of the way is the means of accomplishing our worship. And as I said, there's a straight way, there's a narrow way. But faith as a way of life, we have to develop faith as a way of life. You know, some people want things concrete and insincere and ensure, and that's the way of the world, walk by sight, not by faith. And we walk by faith, we have to learn to walk by faith. Uh, and talking about the way, the way is figurative of holiness. When we say way, it's figurative of holiness. Let's talk about a few scriptures here. Psalm 16 and 11 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thine right hand there are pleasures forevermore. That's in the paths of life. Proverbs talks about the instructions and the directions and the guides in life and what to avoid, what, what pitfalls and what snares to avoid. After traveling the way, it becomes a beaten path. You want it to become second nature to you. After it becomes second nature, it becomes your primary nature. Primary nature. You understand, in other words? Because that second nature is the old man dying. In other words, you remember when we were learning to type in Miss Pendra's class? Mm -hmm. And they set us in there and we learned first basically the home row keys. But then it became instilled in us, and you don't even have to watch the keyboard anymore. That's absent from when you're texting. You know, the people text and peck and use different systems. But Isaiah 35, 8 through 9 says, And the highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring man, Though fools shall not err therein, no line shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereupon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, because a way is a way of life. It's a walk. It's a pattern of living. Nothing dangerous. They will not hurt or harm in all of God's holy mountain, that is, in all of the earth, because he's going to remove everything evil and everything dangerous all of the pitfalls and snares. The reason he says a highway because he's removing the obstacles. He's showing us as we become lights in the world, we learn to speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain and say, be moved and cast into the sea. In other words, through us speaking the word of God, which is our rod, which is our sword, that sword that God uses. He says, you have made my mouth, uh, that second verse says, and he had made my mouth like a sharp sword. By exercising the God's word, you learn to speak the word. Yeah. Words of faith, faith-filled words. We speak God's word, and we were, he's moving, the obstacles are moved through his spirit, not by power, not by might, but by his spirit. And the zeal of the Lord will perform this. So it's an increasing faith in us. And so all of the obstacles to make highways and everything, you go in, you bulldoze all of the trees and the stumps and all of these things out because 
you're making a highway when the kings used to get ready to travel on old roads or whatever. You'd have somebody like John the Baptist come in. John the Baptist came in to prepare a way for the Messiah, for the king, for Jesus. He says, bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. He went out chasing away the vipers and everything that wasn't right. And that's what the gospel does. The gospel is that hammer that we bring walking along the way. We're walking therein, but we, we're what? We're walking as Christ. We're being the pioneers or we're being the light and other men are following us. Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus. So if we're walking in the way, our family, our children, if we're the head of our family, they should be following us. Our family should follow us as we follow Christ. We're making this arduous journey through this world. Jeremiah 6, 16 says, Thus said the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old path, where is the good way, and walk therein. When you find that way, that good way, walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in the way. That's what the younger people, that's what a lot of older people, they're not walking in the way. They're saying there's other ways. They're even preaching another Jesus now. It's an antichrist. In other words, it's anti-God because the doctrine, you have to beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees because doctrine is a way. It's instructions. The grace of God, the salvation has appeared to, of God has appeared to all men. But remember I tell you, man quick to pervert and make crooked it. And we should be making crookeded paths straight instead of making straight paths crookeded. Man always perverts the way. That's why we have to follow Jesus because he says, I am the way. We don't follow any other man. We follow Jesus. That's the only man that you could follow, but now he's become our Lord and Savior. He's the preeminence. He is our, our God. He's the only one and true God. Hosea 14 and 9 says, Who is wise and he shall understand these things? Who is prudent and he shall know them? That's what me and Brother Parker was talking about when I left here Sunday afternoon to one of his sons. You have to have prudence. You have to have understanding and knowledge. It says, For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them. But the transgressors shall fall therein. In other words, trying to walk in the right ways. There's a lot of people in the church. And that's what I say. The masses come into the church. And that's the bigger bonds, building the bigger bonds, the mega churches and everything. But that's where they're tripping up because those he preaching condemns sin in the flesh, and judgment begins at the house of God. All of them's gonna be judged. That was the one of the last things Jesus did at the church before he left, he cleansed it of the money changers. That's so that the lame and the ones that truly wanted to follow him could come into the church. We must cleanse the church. The living Bible says, whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is intelligent, let him listen. For the paths of the Lord are true and right, and good men walk along them, but sinners trying to to walk in them will fail. The Amplified, it homes in right there because when I say wise and intelligent, 
not the wisdom of this world. It's not by intellect that we can get to God. It's not by mental ascent. Let's go to this wisdom, the wisdom that is from above. It says, whoever is spiritually wise, that's significant, meaning spiritually wise, not worldly wise. The wisdom of this world is devilish, it is sensual, and it's self-centered. He says, let him understand these things. Whoever is spiritually discerning and understanding, let him know these things. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous will walk in them, but transgressors will stumble and fall in them. Jesus is a stumbling block to some. He's a stumbling block to many. To many of you, he's a stumbling block because those that name the name of Christ that don't depart from iniquity, they will be condemned by their own words, by their own actions, because they're not able to do God's word. They're not doers of God's word. That, that's the many. It says, many will come unto me in that day and says, Lord, Lord, hadn't we done all these things in your name? We've cast out devils. we fed the sick. We've fed the needy. we visit those in prison. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. They were on the way, but it was the broad way. They did religion their way. They did religion their way. Because I tell you, it's a narrow way of righteousness. It's the way of righteousness. Matthew 1, 7 and 1 says, Judge not that you be not judged. We must remember that. Judge not that you be not judged. But if we continue on and go back to that teaching what I, in which I taught on that scripture because it says right after then for the for the judgment that you use, that same measure be meted back unto you. So we need to be judgmental. We need to be spiritually discerning. He that is spiritual judge it all things. Without judgment, you, you're bound to fall into a trap. But that's why I say we have to know what God's Word actually is saying. It's not contradictory. It might be a little bit paradoxical to some people. Verse 4 says, How will thy Thou say to thine brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eyes. We must make sure we're straightening out first. And if we would really know ourselves, and know that we always straightening ourselves out, we're always dying to self, because that old man is always there with us. We must buffet him and put him to death, continue putting him to death, because Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few be that find it. It's like that camel entering to the eye of the needle. It's few that enter in, because you have to strip, you have to be stripped of self. It's like the rich young ruler wanted to inherit eternal life. And Jesus says, sell all that you have. It's like that merchant that sold that pearl of great price. Jesus was that merchant that sold all the... In other words, he laid the side of his divinity and he purchased us, that church, that pearl of great price. were very valuable to him. But we were redeemed by his blood. He laid down his life for us. Now, the way of sin is that broad way. Matthew 7, chapter 13, verse, he says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, 
and many there be that are in in that way. You see, that's another way, but it's not the way. It's the way of sin. It's the broad way. Don't, don't leave that word out. That's the broad way that leads to destruction. Jesus is the way, right? John 14 and 6 says, Jesus says unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming unto the Father but by me. That statement is a very true statement. That's the only way. That's a, that should be our key statement there. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's the only way to eternal life. Hebrews 9 and 8 says, The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, so the Old Testament was there. That was a shadow. That was a shadow. And we need those laws. We need that law. And what God does is take that law and actually write it up on our hearts as we be doers of that law. That's why it says, this is the way walk therein. We have to walk within that law. The doctrines that are taught by Christ, and I think I said that, in part two of this teaching. I taught part two before I taught part one. Part two was Sunday. Part one here, the doctrines, and I told you there'd be different doctrines. He said, beware of the bread of the Pharisees or the leaven of, in other words, the doctrine of the Pharisees contain leaven. That small amount that would turn apart the whole thing. Acts ninth chapter in the second verse says, and he's talking about Paul here. He says, and Paul he desired let us desired of him let us to Damascus to the synagogue, that if he found any of this way, in other words, following this manner of life, following this man's doctrine, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. You can see people that's walking in the way. That's what that Sabbath does. That's what the Sabbath does. It makes a sign. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But it is the test commandment, the Sabbath, Exodus 13, Exodus 31, 13 through 17. It is the test commandment, the sign that God gave between him and his people when they see that sign. And a lot of people say, you worship on the Sabbath? Well, they don't even understand what they're asking. But that sign is a sign that you follow the Creator and that we've entered into His rest. Uh, verse 19 and 23 of Acts says, chapter 19 and verse 23 says, and, and the same time there arose no small stir about that way. In other words, Paul was teaching and everything, and the people were trying to get at him and into the theater where he was preaching to the people or whatever because those were the men that had turned the world upside down with their teachings. And and once we start teaching the word of God, that's why I told you, that's your rod. That thing is like a rod. It'll tear you and beat you and tear you. It is like a sword. It'll cut and it cuts all types of ways. That's why Simeon says this baby would be as a sword piercing to the heart of many. The word of God cuts and it cuts deep, piercing into the marrow, through the spirit, to the innermost being. 
Acts 22nd chapter the 4th verse says, And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into, the, into prisons both men and women. That's when Paul was standing before King Agrippa telling him the way of life he used to live and that he had persecuted people that were of that way of life at one time. Delivering them to prison, putting them in shackles. Remember, it was Stephen that Paul was holding the coat of those that stoned Stephen to death because of the way. Acts 24 and 14 says, But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call hearsay, so worship I, the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. So the people didn't understand that Paul believed all things that's in the law and the prophets as standing before Agrippa. He was telling him of these things. But it was this doctrine that they were saying, this is a heretical teaching. This is heretical worship that they're saying. That's why a lot of them didn't walk with Jesus anymore because he says, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Well, they know Jewish law forbid cannibalism. They knew it forbid even eating meats with blood in them. But here he is saying, you must eat of my body and drink of my blood. They didn't understand the doctrine. The spirit hadn't wasn't in them to give them an understanding. Unless he opens up your understanding, unless you are born again, being regenerated by God, you can't understand the way. The world doesn't know us, and it didn't know him. Marvel not if the world don't love you or run after you. Uh, chase all of these other things. Acts the 24th chapter and the 22nd verse, it says, And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way he deferred them and said, When Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. So, this is Felix, the governor, before he sent Paul up from Jerusalem when he was talking with Felix. But Felix had kept him in the store to hear from Agrippa when King Agrippa would come down and Paul stood before him. But the way that doctrine, and that's why when Paul came to Antioch, uh, was it, I'm trying, I think, no, it wasn't Antioch, it was to uh, Mars Hill, I'm trying to think of the name of that place at Mars Hill, where the people will worship it, all manner of strange gods and things, and they say, what strange doctrine this is that you're teaching and speaking of. The fourth commandment, keeping the Sabbath. Isaiah 58, 13 through 14. And you hear that the Sabbath, we hear that in the millennium. We hear God's Sabbath, and he preaches and talks about entering into his rest, the Sabbath. The Sabbath is spiritual. We're not, we're not saying that the shadow is not physical. The shadow is the seventh day. It's the Sabbath of the Lord, but we know it had many different Sabbaths of the Lord. That was two Sabbaths in the week that Jesus was crucified. That's how Christianity, the bulk of Christianity gets it wrong because it was the Sabbath was the day of preparation. It was when Jesus was uh, crucified on a high Sabbath. 
because you find one of the gospels is saying the next day was the Sabbath because that was a day of preparation where it was a high Sabbath. But that's why I say when you get involved in wrong doctrine or whatever, it misscrews everything. It, it, it throws it off. So there were two Sabbaths. That was a high Sabbath that they were talking about, not the seventh-day Sabbath. We know that Jesus was resurrected on that Saturday, that, that Sunday, that Sabbath. But listen at this, though, as we go forth, at, at, at uh, the seventh day. Listen at this, though, that Saturday in which Jesus rose on, on the Sabbath. But listen, uh, if you turn your foot from unnecessary travel on the Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath, that is a spiritual delight in the holy day of the Lord honorable and honor it, not going your own way or engaging in your own pleasure or speaking your own idle words, then you will take pleasure in the Lord and I will make you ride on the high places of the earth and I will feed you with the promised heritage of Jacob your father for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And, and I went over this verse in part two. I went over it in detail or whatever about the Sabbath. And we'll see in the, in the Old Testament and as philosophically as the people said the Sabbath was changed in the New Testament because it was the day Jesus was resurrected. And Paul warns us in the book of Colossians about the philosophy of man. That's what Christianity is preaching as other Jesus does when it chooses the Sunday as the Sabbath of the Lord and say it was moved. He would have gave us more detail if he was setting apart another day because he wasn't made one day. He set that one in seven aside. He sanctified it. He made that day holy, that seventh day. He made it holy. So you're saying that he sanctified another day. So what he did, he unsanctified the day he originally made. He scratched it out and changed his mind. Or are there two Sabbaths in the week? Uh, but instructions in the Bible as to how to keep the Sabbath is not given in specific detail, but in broad principle that covers a multitude of specifics. So it's a precept, a principle that written on our heart, and we keep on walking in it. You remember I said, walk therein, and sometimes you fail or you can't quite catch the rhythm of the stroke, but by exercise of use, you'll come to be able to be bring it to a perfecting state. God will show you and give you greater and greater light because he see the motivation and the intents of your heart, what's motivating you and that you're striving to please him. And he's going to give you more rest and more peace. He's going to give you abundant peace and joy. And it says uh, the Sabbath will be a delight. We delight ourselves in his commandment and keeping his commandments, and that's where we follow after David at, because David was a man after God's own heart. And we want to please God. We want to be pleasing to God. We want to do that, which we strive to do that, which pleases unto God. But what do you don't appreciate by your, from your children, your sons and daughters, that a lot of times I have to get away from I was talking to one of my sons today. While I was talking to my daughter today, and when I talk to, sometimes they have a callous way, a, a, a way 
of not respecting what you're talking about or what your interests are. It's a, a, it's a way that they have, a way of the world. You see what I'm saying? Yes. That has to die. So you, you, they don't unbecome your children be, because of that or whatever, but you hope they grow to the point where they're seeing what this is doing to you. That what was going on with Mr. Park and I Sunday when I went by his house Sunday and we were sitting out and he told his son, ask this man, he's, he's going to take you spiritually or whatever. And uh, I told Park, I said, you didn't put me in a precarious position here. you know. But we enjoyed ourselves and I was able to Teach, tell him some things of the Lord. I don't know whether it sunk in or not, but I was a light unto God. Hopefully I was pleasing unto God and made some of the statements that would go home to his heart sooner or later. But what happens is we learn as we're led by the Spirit of God because it convicts us of sin. And if we're being led by the Spirit of God, it'll gently compel us toward the perfection of the one for whom that spirit is emanating, and that spirit is emanating from Christ. That's why it says, another comforter I'll give unto you, that he'll imbibe you, and he'll tell you the things of mine. He'll reveal unto you the things of mine. He'll lead you and guide you into all truth. He'll lead you and guide you into all truth. And that's what the spirit does, because... We want rest, and we know our labor isn't in vain. But he says, he that is heavy laden, come unto me and rest. I'll give you rest. And I believe in trusting in that. And when we are striving to obey God and are walking in his way, then we've already been brought into the rest of God. That's why I say we enter into his Sabbath. We begin the rest because We see rest is not the sensation of moving or working, just like waiting upon the Lord. It's not waiting without being busy. When the Lord comes, he needs to find us busy. That's when Jesus was telling the people about the Spirit, that his his Father do it yet. In other words, the Spirit do it yet worketh. See, he did the creation, but on the seventh day he rested but he's still making man in his image and in his likeness. It is a beginning, not the fullness, but it is a beginning. So now that we've entered in it, it's a beginning. It's like the earnest of our inheritance is going to keep accumulating or growing. That's why it says continue being filled with the Spirit. Can you turn that down just a little bit more? You need, we need to be continually filled with the Spirit. Why? It is producing the right fruit because it says, My peace I leave with you. My joy I give to you. So God's way will produce the right fruit and the Sabbath is central to all these things because we learn to rest in Christ because He doeth the work that we're setting in heavenly places. So if our body is no longer our body, he working in us both to will and to do. He gives us the energy to, to work. He gives us the energy to rest. That's why when I'm praying to the Father about things for this old body, 
I'm praying to the Father in Jesus' name. And it says anything you need, pray to the Father in Jesus' name. So when I pray to him to give me my daily bread, that's my spiritual strengthening, that which quickens and makes me alive. But it's also a dual presentation of saying, give me physically what I need. That 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 nourishes this physically body, physical body because I'm responsible for keeping it going. But God keeps it going. I'm laboring for the bread that satisfies, and that's the spiritual bread. He says, labor not for that bread that doesn't satisfy. So when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace. So that peace and rest that consistently is growing within is produced without in fruit in those obstacles, those enemies, those calamities and troubles, God starts to move away. It, it is the day that God made for man and not man for the day. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It is an expanse of time in which he says, today if you hear my voice, today is the day of salvation. And if you hear my voice, Psalms 95 and 7, now, back to this. Many scriptures contain the word way of path. Uh, for instance, Psalm, I told you Psalm 16 and 11 uh, and 38 and 5, uh, 38, I mean 35, 8 through 9. There's a certain path, though, and a certain way. In this case, he calls it a highway in which those who are close to God will walk on that highway. He says, a fool shall not err or enter in. In other words, the ungodly, they won't walk on that path. That's why we believe in eternal security. Once saved, always saved. So if you're in the church, the Spirit adds onto the church such as should be saved. So the church is actually spiritual and not physically because everybody that's physically in the church won't be a part of the spiritual church of the New Jerusalem. Everybody that's not won't be born again. Are we understanding that? There'll be many of them that call Lord, Lord. There'll be many of them that's in the sanctuary. There are many of them in the physical building but that aren't in the church of God. They are false professors or confessors, but they actually believe they're saved. First Corinthians, I think I spoke last week, a couple of weeks before, because the God of this world had blinded the eyes of the minds of those that don't believe. That's what I was telling Brother Parker's son, that you're blind unless God opens your eyes. I said, go back and read Martin Luther's book, The Bondage of the Wheel. Christ came to set the captives free. But unless he sets you free and you walk in the light as he's in the light, you're in bondage because you're either his bond slave or you're Satan's bond slave. Well, you were born in shaping and iniquity, so you have to be redeemed. You have to be bought back. You have to be ransomed. And that's why I say preaching the gospel in the word of God helps set the captives free. To those that believe upon his name, who believe in him and name his name, to them he gave 
the ability, in other words, the power to become sons of God. That power is the Holy Spirit, and that's a power of believing. That is walking by faith, receiving his spirit. You have to hear this through a preacher. Faith coming by hearing and hearing the word of God preached. So we come to hear the word preached. This gospel is the power of God unto salvation. This is the direction. This is the way. This is that path. This is that certain path. That's why he says, I am the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. So that's a narrow way. This is that way. And that way becomes narrower and narrower as you go along. You start seeing more and more dirt in your life or more and more sin. The closer you get to God, it says, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh unto you. But as we draw nigh unto him, we have to keep pulling off the old man. Paul says, putting the old man to death. Dying daily. Jesus Christ as the way. He says that if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. They did not know the way quite as well as Christ may have liked that that they did. This is why Thomas asked in verse 5, how can we know the way? Would you remember he told him the Holy Ghost is going to guide you and lead you in all truth. So we must be following him. It's going to tell us this is the way. Walk therein. We will hear that voice behind us. Those, the prompting of the Holy Ghost and that voice gets louder and louder as we stomp, stomp out other voices that we don't become dull of hearing because we're not allowing the world to speak into our hearing. We're rejecting the hidden things of dishonesty, the hidden things of this old world. John 14 and 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming unto the Father but by me. Jesus announces to them that he's leaving because they want to be where he is. They want to know the way to get there. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's basically saying that it is through a unique combination of a relationship with him. Remember I told you, the ones that were doing, feeding the needy, and doing all these other things that many will say, Lord, Lord, and he says, I never knew you. They didn't have a relationship with him. You remember I told you, we have to have a relationship with him. When he redeemed us, and that's why we preach repentance, redemption, repentance, that salvation, but it comes reconciliation. You remember I said we must be reconciled unto God. As I was saying about my sons and daughters, we must be put back, we've been justified and put in proper, proper standing, but now we must begin a dialogue. We must be able to talk. I must be able to talk to you. You know, that that's what's lacking in a, in a, in a relationship, unless two agree, how can they walk together? So I have to make sure you're on the same page I am, and that's 
through the word. We that's where the unity comes, the unity of the spirit. We're going the unity of the spirit. He says, which consists of being justified through him, because if Christ didn't justify you, all of those other way, all of that other stuff out there, we have to be justified by Christ Jesus. You know my told you. He's the one that makes us just with God. He puts us in proper standing. And then we have to follow his commandments by obeying what he commands. He says, you are my friends indeed. You are my disciples. If you continue in my word. If you continue in my word. You have to be a doer of the word now. The word sanctifies you. It sets you apart. It consecrates you unto God. You're washed by the word. The word cleanses you. Christianity is a way of life. It says, show us the way. Well, where was God Christ going to be? In the kingdom of God, right? Well, he says the kingdom of God, it's, it's among you. Did he say the kingdom of God is among you? It's in the midst of you. How does one get to the kingdom of God? There is a way. Walk it. It's like Enos was translated. In other words, we start to become a, a leaving Babylon. We start communicating with Babylon. We come out. It says come out of Babylon by coming out of the world. I tell you, it's spiritual. Stop thinking geographical and physical. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus is by the transforming and the renewing of our mind. Anything is possible to those that believe. <laughs> yes. So, Psalm 119 and 1 says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are the ones who are undefiled. During this journey of the, this path, those that are undefiled, in other words, who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. See, because that word that's washing us and cleanses us because the church, he gave with gifts unto men, so he had set some in church apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, for the perfecting of the saints, that we be presented without spot of blemish. Paul said, I need to present you unto Christ a chaste virgin. In other words, you will get your virginity back. You will be cleansed in Jesus' name. This scripture is saying that the way of God is defined by the law of God. Remember I told you that law was important. If anyone told you it's not significant and that the law was nailed to the cross, and uh, I think we're getting that wrong. It's a, some bad teaching or whatever. He writes this law on your heart. The way of God is his law. All of his commandments are righteousness, and we define righteousness and holiness as being synonymous, and that's the way, the way of holiness. Uh, well, the scripture is saying the way of God by the law of God. Now, this is not the whole picture, but it's a major portion of the package. You remember I told you it's a lot of parts. It's a lot of moving parts to salvation and a lot of parts of this picture. So let's keep painting the brush strokes here. This is one of the essential doctrines that 
cannot be left out of Christianity. There's, a, you know, assurance and all of these other doctrines, and that's why I say we have to beware. We can't avoid doctrine because doctrine is instruction. Doctrine is teaching, and that's why it says teaching and making disciples. The second phrase, who walk in the law of the Lord, defines what is meant by the phrase, first phrase, undefiled in the way. We must hide his law in our hearts that we sin not against it. How can a young man purge or cleanse his way? By hiding his law in our hearts. We have to have that circumcised or circumscribed them on our hearts, just like that Ten Commandments was written on the pillars of stone. Yeah. See, because he didn't understand this when I was telling, I keep referring to Brabaka's son. But God writes those laws on us because we have to be willing. And he says he's going to make us willing in that day. He's going to make us willing. That's part of what's the character of what he's developing us. To be undefined in the undefiled in the way is to walk in the law of the Lord. That's to be to undefiled in the way. If we understand that Old Testament laws have an application under the New Covenant, then we should also understand that Psalm 119 and 1 was written for us. The Old Testament was written for our admonition, those of us who this end time has fallen upon. Now, walking is an action, and I tell you, walking is a way of life. It's another code word. It requires effort to get somewhere. If you're not walking, we were talking on the way here the other day, you was talking about walking Scotland and to LSU and different places. That's how we get somewhere. It is doing something. There's a teaching that proclaims one cannot overcome spiritual sin by doing physical things. That's an erroneous teaching. Yet this is satanically deceptive because it clouds the clear picture of what God requires. That's what we break the bondage of Satan because faith has works. Faith oh faith without works is a dead faith. Yet this uh God's laws have a physical application and they are to be used to be kept, to be observed in our life experiences, interacting with other people and the rest of God's creation. That's what I was telling you about the Sabbath. We understand the Sabbath principle of the precept of the Sabbath. But it's a spiritual application that Christ leads us to to fulfill that by the grace of God through faith. By grace through faith that we do these things. We have to observe or keep them. We have to walk in them to become sanctified. In other words, to be a doer of God's word. You can't just hear the word. You have to actually, it's through practice. It's like I was telling you about that typing. To learn that, we close our eyes. She made us do that. We had to close our eyes and feel again. After a while, ASDSKL simming, and you go up here and you hit the other, and it become you can do it in your sleep. And as you learn that, you go from 15 words to 50 words to 100, and you move on up, and that's how they used to hire typists, is how many words you could type per minute. Now, that included a whole lot of things. They included a whole lot of things because 
how many actual words, in other words, clearly spelt words. They can't just be any kind of gibberish down there. So, so the law has to be clear and defined set of law if we actually have to know what we're doing. Put another way, the character of God is, the character God is creating in us does not become ours unless his way is put into practice. So he's making us in his image. That's what he said. Let us, who is that? God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son. So Jesus Christ is the head of that Godhead, but it's also you and I. It's you and I. That's why I said submit to one another. We're to learn to one another. We must love one another more than we as more than we love. In other words, we are to love our neighbor. We're to love one another. And that's how he go tell his disciples by our love for one another. Putting one another before ourselves. Character can be defined as a set of highly developed traits that are so much a part of our personality that we act according to them without even thinking. So now, Pastor, you need a way to work. Can, can I do this? Can I do that? Because the way of love, the way of thinking about someone else, the way of providing and doing, that has to become our, to love our enemies. There's no hate in us for anyone anymore. Hatred is not a part of the, that's why we love our, we pray for those that despitefully use us. Because what, we're coming, becoming like God. He says, Father, forgive them for they don't understand what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. So we must be forgiving. We must be merciful. These characteristics, trial and test, brings this into our lives by being blessed. We say, blessed are you when men spitefully use you and say all manner of evil against you. Blessed are those that mourn because all of that is forming God's character in you, but it's according to how we act, react to those trials, those diverse trials and temptations. If we act with murmuring and complaining, we're going to be going over those same trials over and over because we're not growing because when revile, we have to revile not again. When cursed and spit upon, he didn't go back and fight with them and render evil for evil. He didn't do all these, so we must do things without murmuring and complaining because that's all part of God's word. It says, do all things without murmuring and complaining. Don't grow weary of well-doing. We must continue loving. We must continue doing that which is right. All of these things produces fruit in our lives. Character can be good or bad, and we have bad character. We were shaping iniquity. And in sin, our mother conceived us. So now we have to be retrained. We have to be regenerated. All these are re. We have to repent. We have to turn from our ways because our ways are not like his ways. Our thoughts are not like his thoughts. We have to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's why we get a new heart. He didn't say we have to have that all heart. No, he gives us a new heart circumcision there. What God wants is his character, holy, righteous character. Good character can be defined as that highly developed skill in living. That's why I say we must pursue holiness. Pursue peace with all men. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. 
like any other skill, it does not become really useful without practicing it. I forgot about, if you remember Larry Bird, how many, how he would hit the, but while other people were out on the town drinking and doing all of these things, Larry Bird was in there shooting free throws, shooting free throws. If you would look at uh, the basketball players, uh, they were showing Steph Curry shooting three-pointers from half court and throwing them overhead. Steph Curry, I think, is a very, very talented individual that practices and consistently practices. For the Olympics, people train for the Olympics their whole lives to come into those things. Well, the same with the Word of God. The same with the Word of God. We must, I was telling my sister the other day, you must pray all the time. It says, cease not to pray. Is praying all the time. You must remain in conversation with God. We must study God's word. We must walk in God's word. We must be a doer of God's word. We must lean not to our own understanding. It has to become us. You remember, I keep using that word, assimilating God's word. It has to be assimilated into our being. It has to become our way of life. His way of life has to be our way of life. And that's as far as we're going to get on this part today. Uh, we'll do part two, which is going to be kind of haphazard because I put part three, one before, part two before part one. But uh, we'll hear the sermon Saturday, this Sabbath, on the way Jesus Christ is the way. So. That's going to be it for tonight. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this 